Welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. There it is. Told you it was that fast. Look at this. Showing the whole back door over here. <laughs> I like, um, real quick. First of all, my name is C.J. Reynolds, and I run this YouTube channel called Real Rap with Reynolds. Or if you're watching this on Facebook, that's also, I guess, you know, I do run it. It just makes, I don't know, it sounds like a weird thing to say. But um, real quick, before I address, I want to address these hands for a moment. But I uh, I started this, this is episode 150 of something we do every Sunday night um, or Sunday afternoon now. But the idea behind this is that Sundays are often the most they're not often. They're the most anxiety-ridden day of the week. No one, no one goes into a Friday and they're like, ah, it's Friday. But Sunday, knowing what comes tomorrow, I think, uh, can fill people with a lot of anxiety. And to be honest with you, look, I, when I really think about this, it is your preparation is going to determine, like, how your week rolls out. And so, for those of us, for like Seth Godin says, uh, people like us do things like this. For those of us that are like the little bit crazy ones that are willing to jump on a call or jump on a video on a Sunday to talk about school is a little bit crazy, but that's what we do. So the idea here is if you have questions, if you have an idea, if you want to talk through something, you have two options. You can bring anything to the chat. You can just put it in there. Um, no question is off the table. And we try and get through as many as we can sometimes. Sometimes I'll play a little game that's called short question, long answer, where you give a very simple question, and then I just go on about it. And I, I struggle. This is just how I do. My wife is giving me the move on thing right now because even now, this is what I'm doing. Um, or if you want to come on live, you can go into uh, the box underneath this where you're watching this video feed, like in the description box. It's going to be a link. It's going to take you to another link and then you'll be able to, you know, just keep following links and then you pop up on the bottom of my screen here. I'll see you in there and you can come on live. Sometimes that helps if you have like a question that you feel like there might be a little bit of back and forth with or something like that, uh, or that you might need to give like a little bit of backstory to helps me to answer your question better. But, um, the only other, well, I have some stuff I want to talk about, but, um, but I just want to get into kind of questions. If you don't have something yet, I want to, I'm going to bring up the thing from, Last week, because there was a really good question last week that I didn't get to. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember enough of it that I felt like that was a good one to to discuss. Um, uh, if you want to jump in with that, go ahead. There is a question. Just get started. Do you want to get started with these? Uh, I can. And then if we have a moment, then I'll just address the other one. Okay, sounds good. Okay. Our first one comes from our buddy, Stephanie. Um, she's asking, how can you learn to take compliments, especially about your work? I uh, had a thankful email from a parent. I brushed it off when the principal said, good job. It's all part of the job. Um, That's a funny question for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't do compliments well. It's something I struggle with. Uh, I don't, I don't know why. I assume it's connected to my childhood, like everything else in the world, but um, I don't do compliments well. And they make me feel real awkward, which is weird because I really like, being of use i really like helping um even comments on youtube sometimes or emails i get from people that are really nice i I, it's like it's like hard it's like hard to to take in um but look i'm gonna tell you that you have to get used to it um that you have to like one of the things i've done is just really found some value in like um focusing on like really like trying to let that in um, cause there's something else there, right? Like when you don't like a compliment, it's not, it's not part of the job. It's not part of like just being a parent. Like, Hey, you, you have great kids. Like, yeah, thanks. Um, that's work. Like it's, it's hard to be a good teacher. It's hard to do work that you would actually get complimented for. It's hard to be a parent that raises good kids. So I think it is making yourself take that in, letting yourself feel good about it. Um, and not that other people's words are like, you know, look, I, I don't want you to like be connected to that or like, um, or feel like you, like that's the only thing, like that defines you, what other people think about you. But 
it can just be nice. Just take it. Someone gives you a gift, you take it. You don't go, ah, get that out of here. You just, it, what, cause what you're also doing there, when we allow people to give us gifts of their word, of, of their words, their time, their attention, or, or of an actual tangible thing, it is you're giving somebody else the opportunity to, to be loving, to be a gift giver. And so when we tell people no, or when we just shrug it off, it is letting, it, I think it's telling people that like, no, you were wrong, or like, you don't get to be the giver of gifts. I give gifts and I want nothing in return. I'm the only giver around here. So it's letting people be the giver. And so acting accordingly, someone says, Hey, you look really nice today. Hey, instead of going this old thing or like, Oh gosh, I, you know, I'm glad you see something. It's like, thank you very much. That's it. Thanks so much for saying that. I really appreciate it. Um, that you would even take a moment to say something. That's it. Just say something like that. And then I think that that it, it allows you to be a, a receiver and it allows what you're also doing is letting someone be the giver. The giver. There's a weird book. A terrible ending. Freaking sledding down the hill. If you didn't read it yet, I don't want to ruin it for you, but it's like one of those things you turn the page, you're like, okay, let's go to the next question. (laughs) They forget a page. Our next question is from Steven. He says, uh, or is asking, give respect, get respect is going to be a big thing this year for me. How do I get kids behind this? What a great question. This is one of those things that, uh, Give respect, get respect. So for those of you that don't know, this is my only rule in my classroom. I have no other rules. There are tons of procedures, um, but that's just because I think it helps things work out better. My whole life is like basically a collection of systems anymore that I just like do to be more efficient and to make sure that I'm hitting all the marks that I want to hit. Now, when it comes to rules, this is the only rule because um, I teach ninth grade. So kids are 14, 15. Sometimes 16 years old. Um, no shade, just, just noting. Um, but they are, by that age, you, you know how to act, right? Like I don't have to say like, there's no like eating in my classroom, right? Like it's just like, bro, what? Like, no, that like, I wish we had like a conducive situation where you could like eat and it didn't stink and like, you know, your burrito was something that didn't smell up the whole room. It'd be great, man. Or we're in Philly. So you're hoagie. Uh, you're, you know, that you can't take your shoes off, that you, like, don't touch other people. Like, those, like if you get to 14 and you don't know those things, I don't even know. I don't, even, I don't know what to say to you, bro. Like, it's like, like now look, are kids going to follow all those sorts of rules? Of course not. But you know why? Because they're kids. And that's okay. And sometimes we just have to remember that we are dealing with children. We're not dealing with refined adults or with people. And look, to be honest, next time you go to a uh, staff meeting, pay attention to how many people remembered a pen. Pay attention to how many times people like remembered like or paid attention or raised their hand when they had to talk or didn't just talk to their friend the whole time. Weren't playing Candy Crush on their phone. Like just note that, right? It's it's worth noting like how bad of audience members teachers can be. Anyway. With that being said, how do you get kids behind this? I, I feel like, and in talking to students, that when you don't have a thousand rules, there's a sense of respect that comes along with that. There's a sense of like, you know what you're doing. You know what you're about. You know, like this teacher doesn't mess around. They're not doing some like, having 50,000 rules because things might get out of control. I go like this. We don't have problems in this classroom. And we only have one rule. Give respect, get respect. That if you respect me, I'll respect you. And if you respect others around you, they'll respect you as well. If they don't, then we can we can figure that out. But that's it. I don't have to have a 1,000 rules because we don't have classroom management issues, which is not entirely true. But what you're doing, perception is the game, right? Perception and education is the game. So you are... You're, that that's the picture you're painting. I think the other thing is in showing kids that you're that you want to respect them, that you're not you're not like just the the emperor and they're like some fledgling little like learner that's coming to your classroom to get taught. It's like no, we're in this together. Like I showed up. Like this is like the um, oh good, the dog's trying to eat somebody. Um, it's like this when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Like I'm just trying to show up. And, and help you 
to become the best version of yourself. Now, the way that I'm going to do that is through respect. Um, and I, so I, I think that it's very simple, but it it's just goes that far. That's why I meet everybody at the door every day. And I tell kids that my first, what, as soon as you walk into my room, I'm shaking your hand because it's a sign of respect. I'm showing you that I respect you, that I'm glad that you're here and that I see you. When you come in, I only speak to you with respect. Now, look, this shifts over the years, over the year, rather, like when I use a lot of sarcasm, I'm very playful in class. I kid around with kids a lot and stuff, but I never do it out of a space that's disrespectful, right? It's always like, um, I don't know, part of this is I teach all boys when they're 14. So like their love language a lot of times is, is like, you know, playfully dissing one another. And so you're, you're trying to, you're engaging in that. That just so happens to fit exactly who I am. But, um, I, I think that it's, it's very simple, especially when you draw the distinction between like, look, a lot, you know, what you're going to hear a lot today is that there are a lot of rules. Um, and power to those teachers. They're going to do things the way they're going to do it. We're going to do something a little different here. You got one rule. That's it. Give respect, get respect. The end. Come in and be respectful to me. I'll be respectful to you. If you're not, we got a different situation. We got to talk about it. We got to figure out, you know, but what I'm figuring out is that you were probably not raised by wolves that mom, dad, grandma, someone cared about you and brought you up to be a certain type of human being. Let's be that. Let's honor them and be that in class today. Um, and let's just have the most fun we can and not sit here and spend time on going over 99 rules or something like that. So I, I just think that it's something that kids respect anyway. Excellent answer. Thanks. Um, our next question comes from Trent over on Facebook. He says, so I'm wanting to act out of an inquisition from the scientific revolution in my world history class. Is acting things out beneficial and engaging for the students in your experience? Also, are there any sources to find or make scripts for acting things out? All right. First of all, Trent, this is a great question. Second of all, you're extremely tall. Um, so <laughs> Trent's like, wait, what? I am. Uh, dude, so first of all, this is, a, this is a great activity. Like, this is something that I just kind of want to check out. I think that it's exactly something that is, that is useful. Um, even like when we read Shakespeare, I try and act it out. As many novels as I can a year, I try and have some part of that be a, like a play that we're reading. And sometimes I'm setting things up in the classroom so that like kids have to act it out. Like, you know, so like if there's a judge, they're sitting in one place, the prosecutor's sitting somewhere else, the, the guard is sitting somewhere else. Like, um, this is all part of Merchant of Venice. There's a court scene at the end of it. So like, Having all that stuff out, I think is just great. I often say, and I take, this is a, right out of the book of, uh, of one of my favorite education books, uh, Teach Like a Pirate from Dave Burgess. Burgess always asks the question, where would be the best place for this lesson or this introduction to happen in your school? So thinking around your school, is there, like, so when we do ghost stories, we go into the basement, we have the, it's Philly, so we have like these gnarly looking basements, looks like it's from Silence of the Lambs. And that's where we read ghost stories. When we introduce, when I'm talking about the Globe Theater, we go to the school stage and we go outside and we, and different things like that. And we do, um, Lord of the Flies, like we act out part of the end of that story, like on a hill next to the school. And like everyone has little, like we, we pretend they're rocks, but it's like balls of paper. And, um, everyone gets spears and stuff like that, which are really not spears, they're just sticks, but they, like we act this out. I think that what you're doing is this, that I, I read something the other day that only 2%, I think, I think this is true. 2% of your, no, I think, but it's along these lines anyway, like even if percentages aren't right because I'm an English teacher, uh, it's fine. There's only a certain part of your audience rather will say that gets stuff from you standing there and like get, you're saying it to them. There's a separate part of your audience that if they, see it or, or if they like watch it, that's going to be different, right? Like, so there's all these different kinds of learners, but it turns out that an enormous part of the population is really uh, educated when they are entertained by something, which is why we learn so many lessons from movies, from TV shows. It's why like entertainment and, and, and education have become this thing that are synonymous with one another. So I think that whenever, and if you think about it, look, man, school is boring as hell. 
like overall, right? Like overarching, if you were a child that had to go to school from 8 a.m. to at my school, 4 p.m., well, so 3.30 this year, you have eight periods a day. There's no gym. We have no outside time. There are no breaks. You have a lunch break, but we just stay in the dining hall. And you might have a study hall, maybe, but that's supervised work time. That there's no, there's no out. There's no off. And I'm not saying that like anything about anyone's particular classes. We have some really, really, really great teachers that do really great stuff. But that's a lot of sitting. That's a lot of staring. That's a lot of listening. That's a lot of absorbing someone's talk. Um, and so if you can do anything that's going to shift that, it's going to change it up. I just think sometimes kids have a hard time with that transition. I'll be honest with you on the front end because it's like they just think it's like you 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 crack that egg open, right? And now it's like uh, it was a weird metaphor, but like you um, you created this space where it's like there's movement and there's talking and there's all this kind of stuff going on. Uh, and kids can have a hard time with that. But once you get them to know that, like, this is how we roll in this class. Like, this is how we're going to learn. I'm doing this for you. I just think that is, it's like one of the greatest gifts that you could give to children. And look, if that doesn't work out, you learn from it and then you pivot. Because Trent, the worst thing that you can do is like, you try it, it fails or it doesn't go exactly the way that you want it to. And then you're just like, all right, we're never doing that again. Some classes you might have to make that call with, but overall, <clears throat> you also just don't want like one, two, three, four kids to ruin the whole thing. Handle it with those kids and then keep doing the awesome stuff. Um, or if four out of five classes do great, but one class doesn't, maybe you shift things up with that one class, but don't, don't change it for everyone else, right? Um, just keep pivoting because you might be in a situation where students don't always get this sort of, uh, experience so they're not sure how to handle it at first you gotta walk them through how to handle it and then they'll get it and they'll love it and it will be that's the stuff they remember forever what you got that's a good question it was a great question our next question oh it's from the philippines oh yeah hello from the philippines how do you respond to a zoom class that is very uncooperative what strategies do you suggest thank you and more um First of all, my wife was born in the Philippines on Clark Air Force Base, which was subsequently destroyed by a volcano. Um, crazy. Yep, in Manila. Yep. You made it, man. I did. Glad. <laughs> anyway, so uh, this is the story of my life last year. So, like, I, you know, a lot of people didn't know this. I, I, I thought more people were in the same boat as me, but... I haven't been in a classroom since March of 2019. My students have been virtual since March of 2019. And so to go back this year is going to be crazy. But uh, when dealing with students on Zoom, I think it is, look, I didn't require cameras to be on because I didn't, because different students have different lives at home. Like it's, there's stuff going on at home that like kids aren't proud of maybe how they, what things look like. Um, they're muted, not just because they're doing something they're not supposed to be, but because like dad curses a lot or mom's on the phone or like, you know, anyone can tell you that was on zoom. You hear, you hear crazy stuff sometimes when you're in there. Like, like, like my, one of my favorites was a mom going, yeah, the account number is, and I'm like, no, no, mute yourself. Like I'm trying to figure out how to mute this kid because mom's about to give away personal information to the whole class. And not that any of those kids would even know what to do with that, but like still, like there's a level of privacy. Um, and so anyways, I, I go on and on about that, but what do you do with kids that are not responsive? I think you have to change your, your idea of what like responsive or what engaged means. So if they are not talking on camera, which can be very awkward for students, are they w- willing to type in the chat? If they're not willing to type in the chat, pu- privately or publicly will they do it privately are they doing the work um if they are if if you need to connect with them maybe um beaming them into another zoom room and then uh going into that room also with them and talking to them one-on-one and if they still don't want to talk like face-to-face that's fine if they want to do it through chat that's fine too uh you know because if you think about it like 
this is so foreign for so many students and it's so difficult. And a lot of kids, like, it's just awkward for them. Like I had a student last year that was, um, that had a number of different, like learning differences and it was already hard for him to, to talk to someone. It was already hard for him to be face to face with someone. So I just let it through the chat. I never heard that kid's voice all year and that was fine. I'm trying to meet you where you are to help you be all that you can be. And then if it's, if, but if kids aren't doing, and look, I, I think, and, and I'm not one for settling ever, but there's really like learning like that, especially if you're in a school that is not, um, that's not built for that. Like there are certain clients, like there are schools that are built for the internet, right? Like that is their whole model is like, we learn online. But if your class is doing this for now because of COVID or something, and like, you have to remember that like, this is not how kids, like kids were never brought up and taught how to, how to deal with this stuff. So it's, it's sort of like, doing the best you can until you can get back into a classroom and do the work that you were given to do. Now, look, I, I think that contacting home, I think that calling students and their parents and setting up meetings and meeting with other teachers and coming up with a plan for students that are having a hard time engaging, like that's all important stuff. But I mean, you, you're, but what you're doing there is not trying to cast blame. You're trying to create pathways and pipelines for students to be successful so in calling home it's never just to be like uh can i tell you what kevin did in class today like he doesn't have his camera on he never engages he's not doing the work instead it's hey look um i'm coming to you really out of curiosity because these are this is what i'm seeing and seeing if parents can fill in the gaps for you seeing if students can fill in the gaps for themselves like you know it's it's hard like i i had guys last year that were just home alone they'd been home for over a year they were depressed as hell and now they are listening to you talk about biology. It's just not like, I just don't care. Like, I just don't care. Like, I'm so, I'm so tired that I just, I can't, I can't care about this. So I think that once you help students unpack some of that stuff and then come, once you go through those meetings like with parents and students, it helps you to put on certain norms that are like, okay, going forward, I need to know that like, these are the norms and then you kind of take it from there. And I think that that those, those little shifts can really have a big impact. Um, Cause it's just not ideal. Like learning on Zooms. Uh, after a year of that sucks. for you, I think. You're you're a year and a half of teaching yeah. like that was just like all the tricks were gone. Like I, I don't have enough. Yeah. Like, and everything that was amusing in the beginning for a minute was like my little hands, like my friend Fatima. I always laugh. I have a whole thing of hands over here. Um, but it's like all the silly stuff that I use in school is different, but online, I don't know, man. It's just, it's just hard. Like, yeah, well, it's a hard, it, it's hard to make connections. And especially when you're young or awkward, I feel like elementary kind of got it, but it wasn't enough for them. High school, it was just like, it's so, and middle school, I think it's so awkward. Like we homeschool our, our kids and, I tried to get our daughter into some online classes throughout school and she hates it. She hates being on Zoom. She hates no. being on camera. Look, it, I sit on the side because I hate being on camera. Because you it's can't hard. sit hard. in the back. You can't just be quiet. You can't just sit there and, and think like it is you, like teachers expect you to be like this all the time and like, uh huh. Oh yeah. Oh, oh I'm engaged. And. <laughs> Marley is so much more low key than that. But a and, lot of kids are, and a lot of people just in yeah, general. Teachers, because you're, everything. you're like, you take someone that's, um, what is that? What is it? What I'm looking for? Like, uh, an introvert. Yeah. Right. And now you're just, your picture's on there. In class, not everyone's looking at you. Maybe yeah. no one's looking at you, right? Like, they're all like, facing the other direction. Yeah. Now we're all face to face. Now we're all looking at one another. I got to think about what's in my background and stuff. And like, do how do okay? I sound? Do I, I, like, I don't want to watch myself talk. Like, it's so awkward for people, you know? Look, I mean, you don't want to come on, the on side, camera. I hate, like, YouTube is not my thing. One of my favorite comments. One of my favorite comments is when people go, how come he doesn't let his wife on? Yeah, no she doesn't want to be. I asked. It's amazing that I'm even reading questions. We'll say that. <laughs> so go ahead. Buddy. All right. Maisha uh, is our next question. She's asking, this is a legit question, right? 
my puppy is showing signs of separation anxiety already, and I know returning to work full time will exacerbate it. Exacerbate it. Any suggestions on how we can manage this? I would actually, if anyone knows an answer to this, I would love to know. Yeah, I think they have CBD for dogs. My so C- CBD <laughs> for dog. They do have CBD for dogs. Do. So we've given it to our dog. Um, it's. You could talk to your vet, but that's going to cost you two hundred dollars. Uh, I. I'm not sure, but I, yeah, but I will, I will say that this is something I'm struggling with too. Like my dog, he's always around me. Like when I wake up in the morning and, and pray, I sit in the same seat every day. The dog comes downstairs and like lays on my feet while I'm praying. Um, he is, is he in here now? I mean, is he in the other room? It gets hot back here when we do the live feed, but he started out under the desk on my feet. Like he's just with me all the time. If I go to take the garbage out out front, if I go out back to do something, he's like constantly just follows me all day. So I don't know what he's going to do when I go back to school. And especially if I'm gone from basically seven to five, 4:30 every day like and I'll say even though we're home he it's he definitely goes through a thing when you're not home like when you go away yes. to speak and you're gone for like a couple of days me and the kids are still here and we're still doing everything yeah. but he misses you yeah no and so there have been times when I've come home level of anxiety when you're how about home. when he's like I sleep on the couch because he wants to sleep with me I know. so then he just sleeps with me on the couch because he like can't even stand that I'm home like it's just so the best thing ever. So I'd re- I'd love to hear what people say. Like, how do you get, how do you transition your dog back into that? Um, it's hard to leave the house. Like, and I think that's the other thing is like, we haven't left the house that much. Yeah. Um, that like, we like, because of COVID, it's not like we just go on vacation and stuff like that. So I don't know, man. Yeah. I really think heart. CBD or some sort of like, com- like, you can get, if you're not down with CBD, you can get actual prescription meds, I think, for anxiety, like, um, from your, from your vet. Maybe I need There's two mannequins. Should I get a mannequin that looks like me this year and just put it in the house? <laughs> no, oh. that's creepy. No, thank you. I mean, you might not miss me as much. You see. Um, oh, shucks. I missed my, I'm out of order. Okay. Uh-oh. Our next question is coming from. Oh no, hold on one second. I was participating too much. Are we going old school? Do you want me to sing a song? No. Okay, got one. Uh, thank you, Joe. Uh, lots of, he said, Joe's asking, lots of new teachers burn out and leave the profession within the first three years. What have you seen that contributes to that? And what advice do you have to help new teachers pace themselves while still keeping up? I think the things that we just talked about this this morning, uh, I think that things that contribute to that are one, um, schools putting too much on new teachers. I don't think new teachers should be asked to do anything in their first year, like anything extra. If you, most teachers teach five classes, but sometimes few teachers can pick up a sixth, terrible idea. Um, asking new teachers to like lead a whole bunch of stuff or like, or like, um, participate or, or volunteer for extra things, coach certain things, unless it is like your jam. Like you're like, football is life. Uh, now I sound like the guy from, uh, Ted Lasso. Football is life and you love coaching a particular sport or an activity because it's like what you, it is your favorite. That's different. But if you are like doing stuff because you think you're going to get fired if you don't do it, I just think that that's a bad move on, on the teacher's part. I think also, you know, schools forget, um, teachers forget too, school, but mainly schools, cause that's, that's who I think really has to be mindful of this is that becoming an educator is the, and I've said this a million times, is the only job I can think of where you're thought of to be great immediately. There's no other job in the world. If you start, you could go to the greatest culinary institute in the world and you're still not going to be like head chef, as soon as you start working at a restaurant, like you, you still have to work your way up. If you go to trade school, you're still a laborer first or you're in charge of like small little things, but you're not like just put in charge of a job site. But education is the only education and parenting are the only things where you get kicked off the high dive when you've only learned how to swim in a classroom before. And so it, it is, I think, 
teachers and schools having grace for, for new teachers. Now, I will say that um, the other thing that if I put it on teachers, it is teachers inability to say no. They just have to say no more often. And like, I, you know, I have a video actually coming out about this um, called how to say no, where I'm going to walk people through like a whole bunch of scenarios and like, say like, this is how you get out of this. I don't do anything anymore that I am not a thousand percent excited about. Um, I forget who said this, but your answer to any, uh, Derek Sivers said this, when someone asks you to do something. Your answer should either be hell yes or no. That's it. Those are your only two answers. So if you're not stoked about it, now look, you could do something that you're not really, that you, it's not really your jam because you know you're helping someone that you really care about and they're in a particular situation. But my, that's how I answer everything. It's either hell yeah or no. And that helps you get out of doing stuff. And then, you know, so I have a video about this, but the, um, the other thing to pace yourselves while still keeping up, I think that, look, this, this is going to sound like an oversimplification, but it's a hundred percent true. Your ability to become a great teacher has everything to do with you becoming the best you than anything else. It's not just your school, your schedule. It's not the students in your class. It's not the level that you teach. It's not the subject that you teach, it's not your the amount of knowledge you have around pedagogy or that or anything else. Um, it is how how strong, how confident, how um processed are you as a human being? And if you think about it, the teachers that you've had in your life that were the best, or the teachers you know that you see that are the best, they're self-assured, they don't second guess themselves, they have confidence. They have, they're brave. They are willing to take risks and make mistakes and pivot and, and fix them. It, it is when you get to that place, like when you work on you, on becoming the best you, it just is an overflowing of that gets all over everything you do, right? Like everything you do. And so literally, as I was talking to my wife about this this morning, I'm like every friggin' teacher I've ever known that was the greatest that I'm like, damn, this person's awesome. It's oozing confidence. And if you see that, like, and, and that means like being able to have healthy boundaries, right? So like this year we're, we're mandated to be in school from eight to, so like, uh, school starts at eight. So like probably, I think it's seven forty-five, seven fifty, something like that to four. I'm out the door at four o'clock anymore. Unless I'm hanging with kids, unless I'm doing stuff with students, I'm out the door because I know I need to fill my tank back up. And it's not just, it's not just chilling, right? Cause when I get home, it is not just relaxing. It's not just like, you know, and, and, and I have no, well, I, let, let me say this. Um, different people live different lifestyles, but you want to be careful that the things you're doing in your off time aren't just numbing you so you can do the things that are there when you're on your on time, right? So when I come home, I don't just like crack a beer when I get home and sit on the couch, right? I have to do stuff that fills me back up. Um, that I'm not just doing Netflix and chill. I got to do stuff that fills me back up. And that's, that's for all of us to answer. Like, it's like, what are the things you're doing that fill you back up? I can tell you really quickly, um, because I get this question a lot. Um, and people always kind of want to know what that looks like. For me, it's getting up earlier. For me, it is waking up at 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning. I have an hour long process. Um, I'll give you the real quick version because you're telling me to hurry up. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I have a whole video on here called morning routine, right? I've, that's crucial to me. It is taking a break in the middle of the day. I go to, to Dunkin' Donuts every day. It's a seven minute drive to and from Dunkin' Donuts. Um, in which I call my wife. I'm out of the school. I'm not around anyone. It's quiet for a moment. I'm talking to, to my wife for life over here. Um, and getting coffee. It is leaving on time, having healthy boundaries and then going home and just being with my kids. I don't take home any work at night. It's about having spiritual direction once a month is a meeting that I do. It's about being a part of, of, uh, classes or workshops or whatever that you're going to fill me up. It's about watching only the right kind of TV. Cause to me, that stuff messes with my head, man. We watched this documentary about Woodstock 99 the other day, which I was at and 
I couldn't sleep that night. <laughs> Messed my head up a little bit because I, I was, I was it was like <laughs> I was like, but do you remember I had like such a hard night's sleep that night? It's about doing these things that are filling me up and not like um just taking from me. It's what is it's it comes down to this: doing more things that add energy to you than drain energy from you. That's what you're doing. Great answer. Uh, I love Erica Whitechurch uh, commented or Whitechurch um, and said, if this year has taught me anything, I have learned to say no. And no is a complete sentence. I love it. I yeah. like that sass Amen. on the end. Of, Can we just of that? take a real quick moment and look at uh, Joe Huber's baby in that picture? Ooh, that baby look of like, you're, you're like, this you know is all that. pushed up. <laughs> hair's a little wild. I just, it is like. Oh, you can gosh. tell we totally miss that stage. Precious. John Fox is asking the next question. How do you respond when a student speaks disrespectfully to another student? <laughs> Look, this, this is, is like, a great, like no, no, not always. I know. But this is such a great question because if we're creating a safe space, give respect, get respect isn't just me and to the students and, and reciprocated. Like it's not just a me and you thing. It is a all of us thing, right? We, we're creating our classroom is a safe space for you to explore, express, um, who you are, what you think, and what you feel, right? And it is a safe place to learn and to be the person you are, and that's the person that we just want you to be. Um, but that comes with, that's messy sometimes. So what do you do if someone says something to someone else? Sometimes, and I'm trying, let me think of a, of a nice way to put this. Um, sometimes it's something like, all right, like, so I'll say, uh, everything in school is always, everything's gay. All the time. It's always gay. Everything's gay. This lesson's gay. This pen, this pen's being gay. Bro, what? Like, what are we even talking, what are we even talking about? So I just, that's where I even go. Bro, listen, I teach all boys too, so everyone's bro. What are we talking about here? Like, I don't, do you even know what you're saying? Like, let's, 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 first of all, like, extend our vocabulary. And second, like, look at the word usage that we're using because what you're saying is going to be completely like, offensive to somebody else that's in the classroom and it doesn't even work doesn't make sense like so sometimes it's there sometimes it's things like um yo you're everything's retarded all the time too right like this like the yo rounds my computer's being retarded um so it is stopping there also and having like sometimes a conversation sometimes it is stop class and go listen to what i'm saying right now we do not use the word retarded and here's why Right. Like, like maybe you're okay with it. Maybe your whole family says retarded all the time. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what your deal is, but we're going to actually stop for a moment and have a conversation about why we don't do that. Because the why is the crucial thing. Why don't we say that everyone's, everything's gay all the time? Why don't we say that everything's retarded all the time? Why don't we use uh derogatory terms towards anyone? Um, it, we do that. And, and, but, there's a whole conversation. I have the whole video on this too, right? Like after five years, I have like damn near 500 videos on stuff, but there's um, a video that I'm going to forget what it's called, but it has, it has like all these sort of like words all over the thumbnail that you're not allowed to say in my class. And, but it's breaking down to kids. Why? And then there's other times where I do kind of handle it with humor. So if someone like, oh my gosh, I don't, I'm going to try and use clean language here, but like this is stuff that I hear. Um, if someone calls somebody else, like a, like a D head in my class, right? I have to go like this. I'm sorry. Hold on. Can we just stop class for a second? I don't know if you know this, but, uh, Marcus, um, you can't say D heading in class. Um, I don't know if you, like, I, I didn't feel like I needed to make like a poster, um, or like put out an announcement or put on the, on the syllabus because it's going to look weird. Cause then I just have to have like D head, like don't say D head. And then there's a whole bunch of other words I probably have to put on there too. But like, I'm just like, just so you know, going forward, um, you can't use that word in our class, right? I'm, I don't know. Maybe this is the first time you're hearing this. Maybe you say this in other classes, but in our class, we don't use that, that word. You can say, here's some alternatives. Um, if you don't like what someone's doing, here's something you could do. So it's like, it is making it, it's, that's, it's like a mix of sarcasm, but like actual in your face, like, this is why we don't say this. And maybe you haven't heard before, but it's not okay. Um, that is also doing stuff like that. I think helps students because it just helps them chill. And then other times, look, other times you don't even have to address it. You can just look at someone and say, bro, 
and they go, they get it immediately. My bad, Reynolds, my bad. I'm sorry. So if someone curses on accident, if someone says something they're not supposed to, they'll even apologize to someone else. They'll apologize to me. My bad. I shouldn't have said that. And you just looked at it. For what? What? In our class? Wait, what? And then it handles the situation. So I think that those are a couple things you can do to handle that kind of behavior. Next question is coming from Thomas. Uh, I'm a Swedish music teacher who will begin a new teaching job next week. It often feels like being a leader is part of one's personality. What's your thoughts on developing a more leading role? I think teachers are leaders. The end. It's my friend Josh uh, Stanford has a book coming out called uh, Aspire to Lead. And it's about this idea. It's Well, it's at, about people that like actually aspire to lead that want to be like an administration. But I just read uh, like an early copy of it and he just gets it so right. Like educators are leaders. Let me break it down for you like this. John Maxwell um, says that leadership is really just one thing. It is influence. And so when we can remember that we have influence over our students, the way that we act, the way that we conduct ourselves, the way that we treat others, the way that we, um, conduct our classes, the way that we interact with our peers at school, not just the students. This is all a matter of influence, right? We're trying to influence people to make good decisions. We're trying to influence students to, to study and to learn and to grow and to, and to reach for what they really want in life. Um, we do that through influence. And so, but by, if that's true, right? If, if leadership is really just influence, then we are teachers. So are we are leaders. And so it is about, I think, taking like um, reading. I, I just think that growing, um, whether you're taking online classes, whether you're you're reading books on it, audio books on it, whatever about leadership, I just think is one of the best things that teachers can focus on because folks have a real twisted idea of what leadership is. And sometimes that's based on how you were born or like how you grew up. Sometimes it's based on like your current school leadership that I don't think leadership is done well through fear. I don't think that leadership is done well through like forcing other people or scaring other people um, that it is through building other people by meeting them where they are and bring them up to where they could be is that that's the move of a real leader. Uh, and so real leaders get people to believe in themselves. It gets people to believe in like their own innate, um, like to identify the good in themselves and their strengths and not just their weaknesses and then building on those strengths. Um, Cause trying to build on your weaknesses is just a terrible idea. But uh yeah, so that's, I think really looking into some stuff around leadership is, is a great idea. And I would even, you could even start with podcasts or something of that nature to really get you started on that. Next question comes from Emily. How should we get the kids' stamina back up? I teach 90-minute classes, but we were only required to be on Zoom for 60 minutes last year, and I know so many of them weren't even, quote-unquote, there. So uh, I have theories on this, right? So this is a good moment to actually mention this. Um, next Saturday, August 14th at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, we are doing our first ever workshop, teacher class off workshop. And so if you want to sign up for this, you can go right to our, uh, wait, what's the best way to do this? To sign up for it? Yeah. Um, I'll put it in the description of this video after this post, but, um, you can, if you, you can throw the link in there too. Anyway, we should have had that right. That was dumb, but I will make sure that you get it. Anyway, what I'm trying to talk to folks about is like, is first year practices that have benefited me over the last 16 years, but also, um, coming back from my students, like a year and a half, like of not being in person, how do we show back up and have the, the emotional, physical, um, stamina to be able to take in a whole day of school, right? And, and 90 minute classes, right? As opposed to like, whatever, like, even if you're teaching 60 minutes, like I taught 80 minute periods last year, but I only taught 40. I only taught 40 because some kids needed longer to do work than other kids did. So I think, you know, so um, this is something I'm going to unpack in the workshop. And so um, that is, are you getting the, I mean, I don't know how to do it. I just want to. Um, I can do it. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure that's in there. Yeah. You got it? I think so. Cool. So, 
perfect. It'll work, dude. We'll see. We'll so see we'll works. see if it works. But um, anyway, that that's something I'm doing. But to, to answer your question in a nutshell, I think it's about showing up and reminding kids why we're there, reminding kids of why we're there. So like why they're there. Why do we go to school at all? Why is your class important? Why are we doing this? Why am I here? Um, and like what's my real mission of being here? And then trying to create something that is is special, right? Trying to create classes that are actually have a little bit of magic to them so that kids can show up and actually want to be there. I really think, Emily, that students and I I because I'm gonna say students forgot this, and I know it's because I I know for sure I forgot it. I forgot how important school was, like body, mind, and spirit. Um I, I like I I guess I knew it on some level, but like I didn't I don't I I like not until we were virtual that I'm like, man, like kids like really like needed school to eat every day. Like, and that's, you see kids doing it, right? Like, like, it's not like a mystery, but it wasn't as evident that like when school goes away, oh, you don't have anything. Like you took two buses and a train to get to school, took you an hour and a half to get here so that you could eat. And now we do have bag lunch program, but then what, you got to take a bus an hour and a half to get here to get lunch for the week. Like, no, that's stupid during a pandemic. Um, how much kids needed school to just connect with their friends, to just connect with their teachers, to just have a place to decompress, to talk about stuff, to work things out. How much that one-on-one that like, this isn't like education is not something that I don't know could ever be just done by AI, that it has to be, there's that human connection when you're learning something and being able to read students. I think kids, uh, part of what I really believe is that Students will be so thankful for that. And look, they're not going to tell you. They're going to tell you they wish they were at home playing Fortnite. But like on a deep level, I think kids will just recognize that like this is so much better. And also look, like Emily, I would say don't rush it. Don't go back full force into like, you know, uh, this is what we're doing. You know, this is is how we're getting after. We're going to learn bell to bell every single day. It's like, look, we just came back. Let's let's figure this out. Let's do this much work and we're going to take a break. We're going to have a conversation. We're going to mix it up like this and letting kids know that on the front end, like, Hey, this is how we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to enter into this in a way where, um, like we're trying to make it fun. We're trying to make it engaging. We're trying to make it seem like something that's like not the worst thing ever. And, and here's my last thing I'd say about this. A lot of people in the beginning of the year, they always try to like start exercising, right? So like on January 1st, when I go to Planet Fitness, I want to get on a treadmill. I hate it because they're all filled and I have to wait. And then on February 1st, they're empty and I could run on all of them if I want. Um, I just often think, what if what you were doing for fitness was fun? What if you liked doing it? What if you found like, even if, so if you have zero physical activity, but you were like, nah, I'm going to play badminton with my friends. I'm going to be on a kickball team. That's my level of fitness I'm going to be on. It's it, something's better than nothing. And when we can do stuff that's fun, then it's just like you forget that you're sitting, that you were doing something like that. So like finding something you like to do is, I just think far more uh, like that. That's a great way to think about your classes. Like how can we make this somewhat engaging, somewhat fun? And I think kids see that effort and then they, they roll with it a lot of times. The next question comes from Kimberly. It's a long answer. Um, what do you do with students that get done early? My students feel like they deserve their phone if they get done early. Uh, if the answer is more work, then they wouldn't want to do that. I was thinking like they like literally yoga or Jenga this year. What do you think? So this is such a great question. Uh, because look, some kids can get the work done earlier than other kids. Some kids just take longer. Um, and so if the incentive for getting done early is more work, you're right. Like sucks. Like I don't, I don't want to do that. Um, I try to do a couple of different things, right? So sometimes you can go on your phone. Um, it has to be quiet. You have to have headphones if you're going to listen to something. Um, and you're not allowed to show it to anyone else or, or like you're not allowed to text or you're not allowed to post on anything. Right. But if you're just like checking out YouTube or looking on Instagram or something like that, if there's five minutes left, I have no problem with kids doing that because it keeps kids quiet. Other times, um, I have built in activities for kids. So like sometimes it's like we have independent reading books. When you're done, just read your independent reading book. And so, so let's say a kid gets done a whole 15 minutes early, right? 
I need you to read your independent reading book for 10 minutes. If you can do that, dude, I'm going to let you go on your phone for the last five. Bet. Now, now there's an incentive to, to doing that. Um, sometimes I have kids help me. So I'll have kids run errands for me. I'll have them organize things for me. I'll have them like, here's all the homework papers I got today. Can you just turn them so they're all going the same way? That's all I need you to do. Or can you alphabetize them? Or can you see if no one, if there are any missing names? So you're giving kids work to do that is helping you to not have to do more stuff later, right? Um, that Those sorts of things help as well. And then sometimes I have silly stuff where like, at the end of a, of a test or quiz, right? I don't want anyone on their phone because tests and quizzes are out. Um, but here's what you're going to do. You're going to flip over your paper. I have a video about this too called like five tips to do if class ends early or something like that. And it's like flip over your paper and I want you to draw if, uh, draw a picture of your two favorite animals in the world if they were combined or like a, two weird animals if, that it would be really weird if they were combined, like a hawk and a, and a, Norwal. Um, so you're doing something like that or like draw a picture of if your life was a book, what would the front cover look like? Um, so it's, it's stuff like that. And then I give like a single point of extra credit, which I sometimes forget to even do because it doesn't matter because what's one point going to do anyway, but <gasps> points and kids just, <laughs> they love it. Uh, it is, um, I'll read them aloud afterwards and the best answer gets extra credit. So it's like trying to build in things like that. Um, and being done doesn't mean you're finished. So if you just got done early and I look at your work and it's crap, then, or like I could see you just rushed through, then I'm going to give you a whole bunch of edits on it. And then you're going to have to do it again. So I want you to take your time and do it right. Because if you don't do it right, if there's, if you don't correct like punctuation or capitalization, or you didn't meet the requirements for like the length or you didn't you missed parts or you know you didn't provide an example when i said to i'll just glance at real quick all right i need to do this 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 and this then when you're done look i'm gonna let you do this so just make sure you get it done right and then that helps as well next question is from sophia i'm getting my first student teaching placement on tuesday and i do not have much time to prepare for it before i head back to school any tips on how to prepare in a short period of time thanks uh so that's a great question. Sophia, I would say that go in, just go in with curiosity. There's not a whole lot you can do to prep. Pro- I mean, I don't know your exact scenario. Like, like if they gave you stuff on the front end and you, you had to have it ready. No, um, she's the teacher. She's getting oh. a student teaching uh, person in her classroom is what I'm assuming. So I, I would say, again, so I'm going to say, I'm going to go with the same answer. Um, going with curiosity, finding out who that person is, what they're about, where they came from, why they're teaching, um, what they're interested in, what excites them about teaching, what terrifies them about teaching and building, having like sort of a sense of who you're dealing with and then acting accordingly. I think that student teachers should, I think they should have like a part to participate in from the day one, right? And maybe that's just taking attendance, inputting attendance, it's writing passes for students that have to leave the classroom, it's answering the phone, it's checking with emails, it's um, if a student needs to go to the nurse, if a student is uh, needs a little bit of extra one-on-one time, you're sitting with them, um, it's dealing with kids that like need extended time for tests. So what I do sometimes is we'll split our class, my, me and my co-teacher, and she takes kids uh, into another room and I keep my kids in, in my room. And then if kids need extended time, there's not as many. So I don't send all the extended kids with her or anything like that. What I'm doing is, is thinning the herd so that when people are getting done, there's not so many people in the room and it doesn't create that feeling of like, ah, oh, I got to hurry up or like, what if this goes wrong? So you're finding things for them to do. And then you just build on that. And then I was teaching by literally my second week of school, I was teaching um, just even a certain part. So I was put in charge. So I put people in charge of uh, vocab all the time. So if we start class with vocabulary every single day or of whatever the pre-class is, or you're in charge of homework, you're in charge of assigning it, you're in charge of grading it, you're in charge of posting it somewhere, you're giving them a singular thing to do. And remember, they're coming in 
with all kinds of nerves and not knowing what to do or how to do it. So I think transitioning them in slow is good too. And look, if you don't have anything for them to do, it's always a good move to let them sit in the back of somebody else's class. Hit somebody up. Yo, can these people, like, can my person rather sit in the back of your class today for like 15 minutes or the whole period or whatever so they can get a sense of how other teachers are doing what they're doing too. This one mat in our house. Always back here. I never see him anywhere else unless I'm sitting here. Is there something back here? Yeah. Um, I wonder if Brody has apple cores in my trash can. Okay, Eric is asking, what are the best ways to avoid burnout? Uh, I spoke to this before, but I think it's really, uh, Eric, it is saying no as much as possible in school. So when they ask you to do extra stuff, just saying no. And then it is feeling, it is, look, it's literally, I, I, two lists in your life, right? Make a list of two different things. These are things that give me energy. These are things that drain my energy. So I'm, and I'm talking about like, if your physical well-being, Right. If the way you think about yourself when you look at yourself in the mirror or think about yourself as a person, um, drains energy from you because you're just like, Oh my gosh, I got like, I don't like my arms. I don't like my lack of abs. I don't like my, you know, whatever. Um, that's draining energy from you. There's a book and you can listen to the whole thing on, on YouTube. You can get the, the whole book, the audio on there. It's called one thing. And it talks about how we focus on one thing at a time. We tackle that and then it like it is either you system you're going to figure out a system for it and then that's going to at the very least lessen your anxiety right you, even if you can't solve it it's going to lessen your anxiety and then looking at the things that are on your anxiety list like how do i handle these things one at a time and then you slowly plug away at getting at lessening that to the most so that you're what's giving you energy is so much higher than what's <laughs> taking energy away And so when I talk about things that give me energy, it is being around certain people. People can also take energy from me, but I just don't hang out with those people anymore. Like ever, like nobody I hang out with is drag for me. Um, It is hanging with my family. It's going out with my kids most of the time, but they're getting to be teenagers. So sometimes they hate everything that I want to do. Um, (laughs) It is uh, spending time with my wife. It's watching really funny movies, watch a great friggin' movie last night called wilder people something about the wilder people it's it's the guy from jurassic park and the little kid from deadpool this is a really great description i'm giving and it was was great movie friggin great um so it's it's like i know the things that give me energy it's just dipping into that more and more and more and more and here's the thing it looks like you're not doing anything right but what you're doing is creating the person that can show up and get it done. The end. LeBron James spends a million dollars a year on recovery. That's crazy. On recovery. Yeah. Right. Teachers spend no time a year on recovery. Um, Kimberly is asking, this is my first year teaching an honors class. What tips do you have to extend learning and raise the bar for that class more so than the regular classes? I So Kimberly, I think it's really just about looking at what are you doing? Like, where do you want to get to, right? So I think it's it's really important in your class to have a clear sense of like, this is where we're going. This is what I, these are the deliverables I want to be able to have at the end of the year. These are the goals that I want to meet, the expectations that I want to get to. And then for honors kids, it's about helping them to understand what they're doing, why they're doing it, and that we're going to get there. So it's like, you know, so I, I think that with your class, it's like, how can you make that a bit more intensive? Like, and then just grading harder on some of those things. I think that it's about like, so like I teach English. So it's like in English, it's very simple when people ask what we're going to learn. I want to teach you to become a better reader, a better writer, um, and a better speaker, right? So like communication is the key, uh, because I want you to, because that's empowering to you, right? Teaching kids to write and teaching kids to speak and do so fluently doing so with like being able to back up what they say, um, becoming active listeners like this all be- empowers you to, be, to to share your story, to share your thoughts, feelings, opinions, um, emotions about things in a way where you're confident and you are, you're, that's power, man. And so 
I think that anything we can do to sort of elevate that is going to be better. So you could even look at like, like even if college, even if certain things you're going to have to be able to do in college um, are part of it, then that's fine. Like figure out like why, but like, why are we writing this essay and why is this a little bit harder? And maybe reading books that are a little bit harder, maybe you pulling in secondary texts that are a little bit more difficult, maybe um, turning them on to speakers or, or um, like, secondary material that is like a, that is like the lexile levels harder like a little bit more difficult um the answer is not so obvious so like one of the things we started doing a few years ago instead of just doing comprehension questions which i do when i read is annotating the book like how are you annotating how are you learning how to highlight stuff underline stuff question stuff write stuff down look things up look up a word that you don't understand like how are you connecting this to your life so it became more about like annotating the text and not just reporting back what you read, um, which you could look up online, but like how are you personally connecting with it is something that we've looked at a lot too. Um, I think we can take one or two more. Cool. Um, Chrissy is asking, do you have any COVID guidelines and that you have to adhere to for this school year? From what I know now, um, we haven't gotten a lot of information, but Philadelphia said that we have to wear masks. No, that was Jersey. No, Philadelphia is, is public schools are all wearing masks, um, which is going to be a total, total pain in the butt. Um, Everyone else on here wore masks all year. Cause, yeah, I swear, there wasn't – I would like to know how many schools actually didn't, like, go back into the classroom last year. All the people like, in Texas. Uh, no, no, no. Oh, no. oh, didn't go back yeah, to class? Yeah, I feel like what you experienced is was on the more rare side. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but I also, like – but, I mean – I also go to like my school's fairly small. We have about 500 students in my class in my school. Um, the freshman class is the biggest, so I do have big classes still. Um, 30 kids in the class, something like that. But um, it is, but my my building is very small. Also, it, it, it looks big. Like if you came to my school building, it looks like this big old Catholic school. But when you go in, the classrooms are are fairly small. There's not a lot of room to get around one another and stuff like that. So like. Going back under COVID guidelines was really like, bro, come on. Uh, but the mask thing is the only thing I know. And I could go on and on about the why. Like, look, I get it. I get it. I understand where they're coming from. The level of difficulty of teaching with masks on is like, I mean, you all know. So that's the only thing that I have heard of so far. But, uh, gosh, I mean, it just, I've never in my life wished for like, can we just be through, through this? Can't this just be done? Like, it was like, it's, it's like, because what you're figuring out is not going to be long-term anyway. You're trying to figure out a real solution for a temporary problem. And so it's like, can we just hurry up? I don't know. But yeah. Let's take one more. Um, Michael's question. Have you ever been a, uh, a teacher slash coach? Do you know anyone or have any words of wisdom for someone who wants to do both? Well, I'm coaching fast and slow pitch and teaching ELA in eighth and sixth grade. Yeah. So I have, I've never been a coach, but I have done like, I've led tons of stuff after school from like building all the sets for our plays at one point um, to that was probably the most time intensive thing I ever did to like leading like maker clubs, YouTube clubs, uh, all kinds of stuff after school. And so the, and, and during school, like around, I, we built, our school store and then we ran the school store. So doing all that stuff. I think that, uh, Michael, the, the answer here is it is having a clear vision of what you're, so this goes back to waking up early. For me, it's about having a very clear vision as to what you want to get done that week, that day and that hour. So when I block out time, it is extremely specific, much to the chagrin of my wife many times, because it's like, nope, this is my 90 out, 90 minutes of like, this is what I'm working on. It's the one thing I'm working on. That's it. So I'm never multitasking. It's a myth. So multitasking, like science shows that it just like doesn't like you, no one effectively multitasks. They think that they can, but they just can't. And the older you get, the worse you get at it. So it is about having the bandwidth for what's in front of me. So I am in the morning. I'm, it's me time. Uh, then it's me and my wife time. Then it's driving, then it's going to school and it's just student time. I don't do real rap with Reynolds stuff there. I don't do anything that I'm working on after school. During the school day, it's only school time. When that bell rings, I shift. 
and I do just YouTube stuff for the next 40 minutes where I shoot videos and work with students and stuff like that. Um, and then, and then, and then when I come home, I'm only doing that. I am only where my feet are. That's it. I don't do anything else. So I think that if you can draw those lines and have those boundaries, you can do a whole bunch of other stuff, but it is about like really being present when you're there and then making sure that something you love and something that you're enjoying because having another like must like something you have to do afterwards is really draining. And it doesn't, if it's not giving you life, um, like one of the things I love about our football coaches at our schools that they really love what they're doing. So when they go to practice after a long day, it's like cathartic to them. So like out in the field and they're messing around with kids and they're teaching kids and they're yelling and they're moving around. And it's like this thing that's, that is adding to them instead of just subtracting. And I think that that's how I would do it. So look, gang, before we get out of here, before you leave, I really am so excited uh, at the thought of this year and, and going back. And I, and, and, but what I'm hearing a lot of, um, is look, look, it's not even that I'm just hearing a lot of it. What we're trying to do is create spaces and places, pathways and pipelines for teachers to be the teachers they are called to be. We have over 450, almost 500 videos on YouTube. There's the, um, there's everything on social that you can follow us on. You can go under our Facebook group, Real Rapids Reynolds Teacher Talk and meet us there. Or we have this new thing coming up. I'm going to throw this up on the screen real quick. All right, that didn't really work. I thought it was going to work differently than that. It is a workshop that is next next Saturday. It's a two-hour live workshop with me on how to start your greatest year ever, right? It's the uh, teacher class up workshop. And it's really looking at right before school starts. I know some of you already started school. I think it's still worth coming to. How to get ready before school starts. And then how to roll out like that first like three to four, but like that first week, that first few crucial days of school so that you can set it up so that you're having a great, great year, especially after coming back into school after like whether you were virtual, whether you were hybrid or whether, you know, you were in person last year, like really coming back so that you can be the teacher you're called to be so that your students can find the success that they are destined for. So that is, um, we'll put the link in the, uh, in the description box as soon as this is done. Um, and you can, uh, sign up for that. And again, it's next Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern time is a two hour live event. And even if you can't make it, if you sign up, you'll still be able to watch the rebroadcast. You will have a private link to that for the rebroadcast, but also the following week, I'm going to do a live feed in our Facebook group. Um, and so everyone that participated will have an opportunity to like, if you tried stuff, if you had to pivot, if you had to like figure something out, like you can still show up, still learn from what we're doing, um, and, and ask questions there. So even if you miss the initial live feed, there's still this other component that you can show up for to be a part of, um, that will be the following Friday. So that's it, everyone. I hope that you have a really wonderful Sunday and a really wonderful week, and we'll see you back here next week. 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, for Sunday Night Teacher Time. Talk, teacher talk, teacher talk time, time talk. All right, everybody, peace.